0: Chapter 25, The Master's Invitation On my first day without Alberto, I rested. But in my thoughts, he was ever near. I wondered where he would find shelter and how he would survive with the little money that he carried. I had given him my eagle pendant to wear, the very pendant he had given me so long ago so that he may carry some of my energy with him. He left me one of his favorite keepsakes, a postcard given him by his mother. I held that card depicting Mary holding a baby Jesus and asked her to safeguard his passage. Father Yoso had left early and returned late in the day. As I helped him prepare dinner, he casually said, I would like you to take communion tonight. I had never been offered communion by any priest on this journey. And the one time I had asked for it, was rejected on the grounds of not being Catholic. I didn't want to disappoint, Father Yoso. I'm not prepared to take communion, I confessed slowly, building up to telling him that I wasn't Catholic. Mea culpa, mea culpa, he responded dismissively. There, you're ready. I chuckled at his antics. And before I could say any more, he placed his hands on my shoulders and gazed at me with eyes that were infinitely kind. You are a pilgrim and an angel on a journey of peace, he said. What you are doing is very important. You need to receive God, to be one with him. No priest had ever described us in that way or tried to minister to anything beyond our physical needs. I felt understood, and my spiritual needs genuinely tended to. I would be honored to receive communion from you i replied you will be receiving communion from god not me he replied matter-of-factly my body tingled his words felt as a foretelling a promise of something significant about to unfold filled with anticipation i joined father yoso for the short walk to the church a light breeze was blowing off the bay on a night brilliant with stars and whispering of the magical. I followed Father Yoso into the dark church and waited for him to turn on the lights. In the soft glow in which I now stood, my breathing momentarily stopped. High above the altar was a larger-than-life painting of Jesus from the shoulder up, staring at me, holding out a loaf of bread in one hand and a goblet of wine in the other. I trembled from the intensity of that loving gaze and slid onto the nearest pew. Unable to return that gaze, to receive so much love all at once, I turned away, looking at anything but that painting, those eyes, and fighting the urge to flee and the desire to kneel. You are worthy i heard whispered in my ear repeated until i felt tears surfacing the nelson mandela words that i so loved were etched in my mind but evidently not in my soul faced with my deepest fear i whispered i have so many faults so many fears so many things i don't know or understand The words, you are worthy, sounded again, insistently, patiently, until they filled my confused heart with a confident calm. I felt I was being invited to understand the life of a great master and the wisdom of his teachings, not to merely follow blindly or to convert to Catholicism. Before me, was held the promise of becoming my own master, my own teacher and healer. When I received communion from Father Yoso, I did so with a heart that forgave its weaknesses and its flaws and that embraced its worth. I accept your invitation, I silently vowed, returning his gaze. The shortcut that Father Yoso promised ended up being a deserted path that wound upwards through olive groves. After the heavy rains, all of nature seemed to glisten in the brilliant sunshine. I strolled happily, basking in the early morning glory, enjoying the melodious orchestra of chirping birds and rustling leaves. A magazine lay in the middle of this abandoned road, its pages flung open and wet from the rains. I stopped and peered closer. Looking up at me was a picture of Jesus, staff in hand, along a path lined with olive groves, and gazing towards Jerusalem with its distinctive dome of the rock. A tide of emotion welled up within me. He was with me, and revealing himself in a way I could relate to, as a pilgrim, among olive trees, on his way to Jerusalem. I have much to learn, I thought, but I cannot have a better teacher. After an hour of climbing, I finally reached the main road. My legs wobbled. I walked slowly to help them recover from the exertion, but they dragged. The pain in my left foot returned, accompanied by new blisters. I stopped at a large clearing and pulled out my baby powder. One of the many blister remedies that I had tried on the Camino, and that best kept my feet dry. I stretched my legs and baked my feet in the hot sun before putting my socks and my boots back on. The relief was temporary, and I walked with the pain for the rest of the day. I was unafraid, but felt lonely. Even though Alberto and I hardly spoke on the road, it was still comforting to know that he was there. I glanced back often, so accustomed to seeing him there, and having to remind myself that he no longer was. I missed hearing his Spanish accent and his repeated admonition that I was not paying enough attention to the road. Timonie, be careful. I stopped to urinate behind a large stone and recalled how often he chastised me for not taking enough precautions before choosing my spot. I shook my head at the silly things I was remembering and missed him even more. I spent the night in Cesaritza, in the home of a priest friend of Father Yosso, and continued the next day to the Capuchin Monastery in Karlobag. I was greeted with recognition, which surprised me, and was immediately brought to a room where several men sat speaking animatedly. One of them, dressed in dark brown robes, immediately stood and came towards me. He looked to be in his early fifties with salt and pepper beard and hair, and a serious, almost stern demeanor. But when he spoke, I felt nothing but warmth and sincerity. "'Ah, Monica,' he jovially said in Italian, shaking my hand, "'we have been waiting for you. Alberto was here and told us all about you. Welcome. Please sit.' I am Fra Ante, the superior of the monastery. Before I could even ask how Alberto was, Fra Ante asked, How are your feet? Alberto told me they were very bad and that you needed to rest. It is good that you did. You will stay here a few days because the road ahead is very difficult. I managed to squeak out a thank you through my stunned surprise. I was introduced to the remaining group and invited to dine with them. Their hospitality and attentiveness reminded me of their Italian neighbors, and from their insistence that I eat, I knew I would not go hungry here either. Monica, Fraante said, reaching into his pocket and pulling out a folded piece of white paper. Alberto left you a note. All conversation stopped, and expectant eyes turned towards me. I eagerly took the note and silently read it. Animo, Saracena! Yesterday, crows along my way and a large eagle in a special place. I also saw your name written in the sea. All is going well. Your angels walk with me, and the mine walk with you. Oltreia, see you in Medjugorje. I could almost hear Alberto's voice, and I felt him very near. He should have arrived by now. Fra Ante announced, reaching for the phone, I told him to go to the house of a friend of mine. After a brief conversation, Fra Ante handed me the receiver. Hola, Alberto's laughing voice sang through the line. I can't believe I'm talking to you, I replied breathlessly. How are you? Great, he said happily. I'm meeting amazing people like Fra Ante and so many more. I have many things to tell you, so many things, so many signs. I am walking strongly, but feel a little bit lonely. I can't believe how much I miss you. Ha! I cried into the phone, I miss you too. Can you believe that? I heard many voices around Alberto. I have to go now, he said. We will see each other soon. Take care of yourself and buen camino. Buen camino, I said, longing to speak more. I hung up the phone and turned to face the knowing smiles of all in attendance. Priateli, friends, I immediately clarified. They all nodded quickly, smiling, and turned away. But I had the feeling no one believed me. I was shown to a room with a private bathroom. While showering, I lifted my arms to wash my hair and felt a familiar tenderness under my arms. It had started as chafing and then developed into a rash a few weeks earlier. I applied some cortisone cream, believing it to be the result of sweating and the friction of my arms swinging as I walked, but it didn't help. I hoped whatever it was would just clear up quickly. My stop at Karlobag stretched into a three-day mini-vacation. I slept in every day and took afternoon naps. I wrote in my diary. I washed all my clothes in a washing machine for the first time in a month. My offers to help around the monastery were gently refused, and I was reminded more than once that I needed to rest. I used my ample free time to read the Gospel of St. John, resolving to keep an open mind and an even more open heart. I wanted to feel stirred, to have the words inspire me to new heights of awareness and understanding but they left me cold and uninspired. I was certain there was a message there for me and was disappointed when I couldn't find it. I put the Bible away and never looked at it again. It was now February the 13th and time to start walking again. I sat with Fra Ante, examining the map of Croatia with him. He advised me to stay close to the coastline because it was more populated, and circled the towns where he had friends, assuring me of their help. Satisfied with his work, he refolded the map and handed it to me. He then reached into his pocket and held out a piece of paper. This letter introduces you, he said, and explains that you are a pilgrim on a mission of peace to Jerusalem. Show this to any priest or person, and I promise they will help you. The note shook in my trembling hands. It was written in Croatian under the monastery's letterhead and address, signed by Fra Ante, and stamped with their official seal. In my hands was a precious gift. From the influence that Fra Ante clearly wielded, I knew that anyone refusing me would also be refusing him. Voila, I whispered sincerely. Franti's serious face softened, but betrayed no further sentiment. We exchanged phone numbers, and I promised to call if I needed anything. He accompanied me to the front gates, reminding me of the route I must walk. For someone who showed little emotion, I felt all of his concern and caring revealed in those moments. When he placed his hand on my head, I bowed quietly celebrating the many blessings bestowed upon me. I wanted to embrace him, but there was a line of formality I knew I couldn't cross. Instead, I shook his hand, repeated my thanks, and turned and walked away. The day's walk was long but uneventful. I rested well that night in Baric Draga, in the home of an acquaintance of Fraantes, and pressed on towards Grad the following morning. Monica, Monica! A man standing at the edge of his driveway called out. To my answering that I was, he began to enthuse in Croatian about something, all the while smiling and then shaking my hand. I had no idea what he was saying, but clearly understood the words, Alberto and television. I thanked him and continued on my way, only to be stopped a few meters down the road by another man standing at his doorstep. "'Are you Alberto's friend, Monica?' he asked in English. "'When I answered that I was,' he went on, "'Alberto was on national television this morning. "'He spoke about your walk "'and how you're separating for a while "'and then meeting in Medjugorje. "'He said it was easy to recognize you "'because you were carrying a backpack "'and a sign similar to his. "'I just want to congratulate you. "'Please, can I offer you something to eat or to drink?' "'I thanked him for the offer.' and apologized that I had to continue ahead. I felt like a celebrity that day, waving at drivers who honked or stopping to thank those who greeted me and feeling more confident than ever that safe passage was being forged for me, too.